May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning, and, and what a joy and delight to be here at Christ Church. I almost said to be here with you, which is my heart's desire and certainly expresses the desire of your clergy and the staff at Christ Church. I am so happy to be here. I'm grateful to your rector for his invitation to, to come and preach this morning on a day when this church would be packed normally with a great group of confirmants who have a great have great taste in hymns and songs, let me say. Excellent choices this morning. Um, so my joy at being here, my thanksgiving at being here is, is tempered by sadness that, that you are not here too in person. Um, and I look forward to being back here as soon as possible, as soon as we can gather together so that we can uh, confirm this great group that has been prepared and is now waiting. Again, I'm very grateful to uh, your rector Patrick and to uh, the clergy and lay people on staff who have, have kept this beautiful, strong church, beautiful and strong in this difficult time. Um, I, I have uh, enjoyed joining you all remotely for worship a number of times, I, and I hate to say this in his presence, but, but Patrick's announcements in, in his, or his opening monologue is a highlight of my week because it just, it just makes me feel so good when it finally ends. And <laughs> so, so, sorry, I just, that's my only shot. <laughs> Well, not only have you all continued being the church in, in the many ways that worship is being continued and offered, but in the, the ministries that you have engaged in, the Sidewalk Saturdays that are such a significant ministry in this community at this time, and, and to hear the reports about the number of people that are showing up and the donations is, is truly encouraging. Um, and, it, and I thank you. I thank you all for for uh, keeping the lights on here and from here, that the light of Christ continues to shine brightly. And I will say as much as I could brag on your clergy that what they're doing is being done on a, a larger or smaller scale in many, so many of our churches all over the diocese. And I'm very grateful and humbled by the, the ministry that so many of our people in so many different ways are continuing to be the church and to be the body of Christ and the presence of Christ in this, this world. Um, well, it's Easter. It's Easter. We have 50 days in our church to practice Easter, and this is the third Sunday now. But in the Gospels, it's still Easter Day. The Emmaus story happens on Easter Day, and so, so we're continuing in this story, and as St. John says near the end of his gospel, that, that there aren't enough books that can contain all the stories of good news that the, the death and resurrection of Jesus brings to us and to the whole world, and, and so it's good that we have 50 days to, to hear these stories, to hear uh, the good news that comes with the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And yet this is, this is for all of us in so many ways um, the hour of lead. Uh, the poet Emily Dickinson 
uh, wrote that after great pain, uh, a formal feeling comes, and the nerves sit ceremonious like tombs, and the stiff heart questions, was, was it he that bore in yesterday or centuries before, this is the hour of lead? When, when Patrick talked about uh, somebody commenting how the month seemed like it had 300 days or 500 days, that's the time in which we live, is that it, the time is so complicated and so unlike anything we have known before, and there's the sense that things just drag by. And of course, a number of people have said it feels like Groundhog Day, same thing over and over and over. And yet there's so many changes that we are having to learn how to respond to, not only as church, but in our individual lives, to, to learn a new pace and a new rhythm, to, to find ways to love those we love that we can't get away from in this time, to, to miss in, in really profound and deep ways the people that we're used to being around. Um, Patrick, in his announcements last week, I was listening and so was my wife, Patty. Uh, he announced that I would be here this morning and he said that he had already received a thank you note from my wife for getting me out of the house. And she said, I should send him a thank you note. And, and she might, and it'll be great. But, but even my wife, Patty, who loves me so much in spite of myself and, and a lot of the time she'll say, this is so great to have you home so much. Also, we'll sit on the sofa sometimes and look at me in that way that cats look at you, <laughs> which is with disdain and indifference and sort of you think they, they might be imagining that if you were really small, they would just kill you. <laughs> so we are learning new ways, all of us in our homes, uh, in our churches, how to be with each other in this hour of lead. After great pain, a formal feeling comes and the nerves sit ceremonious like tombs. And, and if you think about real profound heartbreaking grief, that third day sometimes is the really hard day. After someone we love dies, after the funeral or memorial service, and the people around us start to get on with their lives. Well, life goes on, they say, and as, as much as we want that not to be true, it happens. And we know what it's like to, to be stiff-hearted, to have our nerves sit like tombs. We know what the hour of lead feels like. On the road to Emmaus, on the third day, Cleopas and his companion are walking along, truly caught in the hour of lead as they make that seven-mile journey west from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Everything that they had hoped for, everything they had longed for, everything they had expected about Jesus had fallen apart. Jesus was deader than a doornail. And they knew, like we all know, that dead people don't start walking around again. We sometimes think, oh, the, the people back then were not as sophisticated as we are. They weren't as smart as we are. But they no more expected the dead to get up and walk around than we do. 
and maybe even less so considering the popularity of zombies and ghost hunters shows these days. Jesus was dead, that was cold hard fact. And yet as they leave Jerusalem, I, I imagine them both fleeing and trudging in their exhaustion and weariness, but they're leaving, they're leaving. And they're joined by Jesus And he says, what are you talking about? And this is, for me, one of the great lines in the whole passage. They stood still looking sad. They stood still looking sad. This was their hour of lead, and they were caught in their grief. And then they say, are you the only one to Jerusalem who hasn't heard these things? How can that be? How can you not know this? And then Jesus' response isn't, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. He he calls them foolish. Do you not know? Have you not heard the story? And then he does this amazing walking Bible study that even Patrick Gahan would be envious of. And on that journey, he unfolds the Scriptures, our Old Testament, He unfolds the scriptures concerning himself so that the word made flesh fleshes out the words of God to his people. And they continue walking along. And as they get close to Emmaus, Jesus appears to be going on. They ask him to please stay. And so they gather in a home, presumably around a table And Jesus takes the bread, and we know these words, we know the actions, and this is part of our heartache right now, is that we are not doing them together. He takes the bread and blesses and breaks it and gives it to them, and their eyes are opened, and they see who is before them, the risen Christ. They know he is alive, and he vanishes. And they do... They do what the church has done ever since. They go. They go out and they tell what they have seen and what they have heard. Did not our hearts burn within us as he opened the scriptures to us? And did we not see him in the breaking of the bread? And long before this became came kind of a foundation for the sacrament of Holy Eucharist, it was, it was what the movement and the life of the church in relationship with the risen Christ was and did. A reminder of Easter. A sign of our hope in the resurrection. A people called together around word and table fellowship. Fed by word sacrament, and sent out, blessed, broken, given for the life of the world. And you can't keep it in. You can't keep it in. And so they hurry back seven miles. They just come seven miles. They go seven miles back. And they go burst into that room where the other disciples were locked away. And good news met good news. An impossible, improbable joy met impossible, improbable joy in the resurrection. 
And you think back to earlier in the story, to earlier in that day when they stood still looking sad, caught in that hour of lead, and how closed and confined their lives had become in their heartache, in their loss. And now they're running. They're running free. They're running back into the world to share this life-transforming news that Jesus Christ is risen. And as we think about our own situation now, as we think about all of the ways that, that we negotiate and navigate and try to make sense of this present time, think of what we have and think of what is ahead. Think of what we have received as church, as individuals, so that we might be set loose. So that we might know ourselves to be free in Christ. So that we know ourselves to, a people, to be a people who day by day by day are called together as brothers and sisters in Christ are nourished by Him, blessed, and then sent out. Alleluia. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Amen.